Welcome to the online book launch of Nobody Knows You. It's been a while, it's been a lot of work to get to this point. And you see, we've taken a kitchen as a background because I actually wrote the book during a pandemic while the zombies were circling my house and I had a table next to the kitchen and I had kids screaming all over the place. And when they would shut up, I would start talking to my wife about the book. And when I would shut up, they would start talking again. So I think she is going to be the most happy person on earth the bookish lounge, right? So today, I want to start by talking about the most important person. And the most important person in this conversation is not me, but it's you. And what I've seen over the years by helping so many startups and scale-ups and tons and tons of freelancers is I always saw the same thing coming. They thought, well, I'm going to phone customers and I'm going to phone prospects and they'll allow me in and I will be able to talk, show my beautiful product or service but that never really worked because the big problem is if nobody knows you, how can you get through that glass barrier? It's like gravity. It's, it's a force that's there. It's always there. But if nobody never gives it the name, you never know what it is. So you kind of know I like video and you kind of know I like trailers and a bit more hero style approach. So we've made one. So I want to ask you now to turn up your volume and get ready because we're going to show you the trailer of the book. Good luck. Here it goes. Last time I explained the truth behind sales. But I learned something. Not all of this is true. There is something even more important. The truth the vast majority of us know deep down, but we try to avoid at all costs. Welcome back. I'm pretty sure you kind of enjoyed that one because I found it amazing. Right? So welcome to the book lounge. In the next 40, 45 minutes, I'm going to walk you through some of the chapters. I'm going to give you the highlights, not the full depth, because for that, well, you have to buy the book for that. Right? And we're going to start with the first thing. I already said in this conversation, there is only one person that's the most important, which is you. But you are also the biggest problem. And the more people I meet, the more people I see, and when I talk to them, every single time, I'm very impressed. Like I met Yasmin here, or I met Rendis, and then I met Bruno. And what I always see is that they have so much knowledge. And I realize that you, you are the expert. You know so much about what you do. The question is, of course, how do we get that expertise to service? How can we scale that expertise? And then the next question comes, if you're a corporate, is, yeah, but hang on, Michael, everybody told me that. If I build a business, it should be independent from me. It should be able to run its own. So the big question is, should it be you or should it be the company? Well, let me give you some examples. I went on a holiday for six, seven weeks last year. I was out and I didn't post anything on social. And you see, during that time, what you see there down in the screen is the statistics of my website. And what you see is nobody went to the website. I came back and I did one post on LinkedIn. I just posted myself, not a company. And I said, hey, I'm doing a workshop. Why don't you join? And what happened is I got this massive peak in people visiting the website. And I started thinking about this and I started looking into startups and scale-ups and software companies. And I started realizing that the more I push from a personal approach, the more leads I get on the company page. So there is a direct correlation between the two. So, of course, what you do, you phone up LinkedIn and say, what's happening? And if you look to a classic B2B example in LinkedIn, in this case, what you see 
you see them actually generating tons and tons of leads towards companies, and most of it is on a personal page. Hang on, Michael, when I look at these statistics, I see it's not really the link between LinkedIn and company page. So why don't we ask a company? So I work with a company called Pitch One to One, and what they do is they scale this for companies, for persons, and they have many, many customers. And I said, do you have some statistics? And what you can see here are some of the statistics. So they started tracking, what if you post something on a company page? What if you post something on a personal page? And what you see, you see this is healthcare. It's pretty, there is a difference, but it's not that spectacular. But most of you are in sales or are in marketing or in advertising. And if you look at those statistics, it is ridiculous. Look at this. If you look at the following one, it's crazy. So me with a sales hat on, the first thing I will think is, hang on, if I see this, it means if I'm not leveraging personal brands to gain leads, I'm an idiot. I need to use this as a tool for my sales. I need to train my sales teams to use this. I need to leverage this. Then I asked, uh, and, and the reason why, the reason why is that people trust people. People believe in people, people buy from people, and you cannot deny that. So I asked Kuhn from Ambassify, and I said, so how, how do you do that? And they're specialized in everything that has to do with ambassadorship. And they have done many, many campaigns over the last years with very large corporates, as you can see here. And they realized that if they leverage the people inside the company and brand ambassadors, which are people that like the company and that want to help them, if they leverage their networks, if they leverage their brands, they get way more traction. In the book is a very deep explanation about some use cases, how much likes and how much uh, traction they get on, on business. It is crazy. Now you might say, okay, Michael, you're the guy teaching startups and scale-ups. Yeah, that's all fine, but it doesn't work in corporates. Well, dear corporates, if you're watching, let me show you a big corporate. Here is Deloitte. Deloitte, that's their front page. How do they do this? Well, on their front page, they actually have a content piece and you can click on it. And if you click on it, guess where you get? You get to a personal post on a LinkedIn and it works in both directions. The person generates content. When somebody goes there, they go to the Deloitte page. When you're on the Deloitte page, you enforce the brands. Both brands enforce each other. Nobody is losing. Another example from the House of Spark that we use is that we like to put these experts in front and people just love to click on them and they want to learn and they, they want to be part of the game. And it works really, really, really well. Now, if we start thinking deeply about that and we start looking back to sales and marketing and we start thinking that if marketing is everything that is to do with dealing in attention, then sales has to do with dealing in trust. So. How can we leverage this? Well, the big thing you need to realize is that prospects have changed dramatically. And they have changed really, really dramatically. And I'll show you an example of how a typical buying journey goes. When somebody has a problem, they are aware of the problem, but the next step they will do is they will look for insights, they'll Google it, they'll go to YouTube, they'll look around, and then when they find something that's interesting, they'll basically buy it and integrate it into their life. Now. 98% of people are not ready to buy. So that means that 98% of people that come to your website or there is watching and reading your content and is, is listening to your stories, they are not ready to buy. Yet we create tons of material that says buy, this is the product, these are the features. So when somebody comes to your website and, and is looking for information, if you try to sell to them, they will run away 
That's why conversion ratios on most websites and on most material is very low. We got to do something else. We got to go back to this educational part. We got to start looking into how to leverage that. And I will explain it in more detail later. Now, another example is David from Growforce. He wrote several uh, pages in the book, actually half a chapter, on how they leverage that from a pure growth marketing perspective. And what you see here in this pyramid is that 2%, again, is ready to buy. But all the rest is looking for education. And what you'll also see in this pyramid is that a lot of people don't really know what the problem is. And especially when you look at the startup world, for instance, they invented something new. And it's sometimes so new that the end user, the prospect, doesn't even know they have a problem. How on earth you sell something if they don't even know what the problem is? So you need to find other ways to do it. And there is one thing that keeps annoying me horribly, so I will address it immediately, that if I'm trying to sell something to you, who should I talk to? Who should I talk about? I should not be talking about me. I should be talking about you. And that's one type of communication that I see daily. And again, I go to websites, the most basic thing where companies communicate to their customers. It's always the same thing. We are fantastic. We have fantastic product. We have won many prizes saying you are less, uh, you are less smart than us because we are way smarter than you because of our prices. And then it goes newsletter. Nah, nah, nah. Don't do that. Try to flip that around because I believe the value journey, the buying journey, we should try and flip that. Typically, it starts from left to right here. You go to why do I need it? Why should I need it? Why should I need it now? And actually, why should I do this with you? I want you to turn that around. Imagine if you are the expert, if you are the thought leader, if you are the personal brand, people will come to you because they want to learn from your expertise. They want to work with you or they want to work with your team. So if people start coming to me, the only thing I need to do is infuse them with why they should buy it now. And that is how you can increase your pipeline velocity. Another word for that is how you can increase to get faster deals, right? So let's think again about value because it's all fun and games if I tell you should build a personal brand, but of course it can't be clickbait. There should be something inside it. So we need to talk about what is true value? And this slide I really thought long and hard about. Because what you see is if the 2% conversion, when you go outside in the world to sales, it always comes because of this. We push our product or service. In essence, we're selling a shortcut to time. We are unburdening the customer. Now, if I make, like most companies, 90% of all my material around the product, I'm in trouble because that's why I get the 2%. So I'm saying we should do something else. And the journey starts somewhere else. The journey always starts with something inspirational, meaning you are watching this, you're watching YouTube, you are watching, you're reading a book, you are seeing somebody on a stage and you think, oh, things can be different. You are inspired. Now be careful. Inspiration has several layers. If you're a founder, co-founder, an executive, your inspiration is very different than the person working for you. Right? So I'm in front of a stage, 500 people, I do my thing, I get them all excited with some inspiration material, and then I show them my offer, right? That didn't work. That completely didn't work. Because you and I, all of us, human behavior, we have the same idea. That is, if I get inspired, I think I can do it myself. And you're right. You can do it yourself with enough time and money. So what we should do is we should psychology play that game and we should educate. We should teach them how to do it themselves. 
Now, funnily enough, the moment we start teaching them how to do it, you will get more deals. Yeah, but Michael, you gave away everything. No, I've gave them a framework. I've become the expert that helps them. The moment they need it, the moment the buying cycle really starts, they will come to you to the expert. And don't forget, it is not because you give your best idea that they can operationalize it. Now, some of you consultancy agencies are thinking, oh, hang on, Michael, that is exactly my business. Well, funnily enough, even in that industry, it goes 10 times better. And I'll show you some examples later. So inspiration, education, teach them how. That is how you build your content. And of course, people will pull themselves into that sales cycle way, way faster. And personal brands fit way better in this principle. Of course, you have an experience layer, how you do that. And you, you'll see you can do that very funky. You can do that very serious. There are many ways, but we'll explain that later. Now, you might think, okay, Michael, so what does this mean? So let's, let's just look at some videos. Right? Let's just look at an idea. So if I go inspiration, I'll take a very large company called Amazon. Maybe you've heard of them. If we look at their AWS part, what you see, if you open their YouTube, for instance, they have everything that exists, product speeches, inspiration, education. But one of the things that stand out is a series by Werner Vogels, who is the CTO, that basically goes around and talks to companies and does really deep interviews with companies that, of course, do stuff that build things and they use AWS for that. But he never talks about it. It's pure, hardcore inspiration. And if you look at the stats, you'll see they go over 1 million views. It is really, really going well. Next step, of course, is why don't you use customers and instead of doing the classic use case hey this is customer x and this is our company and then already everybody is sleeping no i want you to do something else why don't you turn your customers into heroes and here is an example of picket who actually what they do is they give a robot eyes so you can pick really really complicated things from a conveyor belt what they do is they take use cases and they turn them into hero cases so these people walk across the factory and actually picket is almost not even mentioned they get so many leads from that but it's counterintuitive you have to say to the executive hey we're gonna do we're gonna make a movie and we're not gonna talk about the company right Next thing you could do is classic. You see one of my movies where in three minutes I explain a concept. You have Tilroy that is inviting experts. And of course, finally, you can also build. Here's an example from our friends from Moneyoke. You can build an ex example of what do we actually do because you need to layer this. Now, one of the things that while I was doing this and I was helping several SaaS companies, I started realizing that we could completely dominate a market in a very short time of period of time if we layer the approach. So here's an example. So if you look at a company, and let's, let's take uh, most companies, you always have like three layers. You have the top layer, the executives, and what do they talk about? They talk about leadership. They talk about the day of tomorrow, after tomorrow, the future, uh, good things, but also bad things. And then you have, let's say, the management layer. It's already a bit more expertise. It's about managing teams. And if we then go to the operational layer, typically that would be like customer success, that kind of support, all of these, you would talk very different language. You would talk about fixing problems of today. So imagine you, you look at a company and you say, okay, we're five people. Why don't all five of us tell a different story? But of course, if you combine it, it makes sense. And here is an example of, I did a webinar rather recently with, um, with the Supermetrics boys. And what they've done is an experiment where they said, okay, I do Pina here. I do everything alone on LinkedIn. And I post during eight weeks, one post a week, or two posts a week about my knowledge. 
And then you see the impact. And then they said, hang on, let's do this with the team. And they started posting during eight weeks, two posts per week, very short ones. You look at those numbers, it is crazy. There is another case study in the book about Lemlist, uh, Guillaume. What they do is they generate over 1 million views per week on LinkedIn by simply having this approach of a layered approach, trying to really grasp an entire market. Now, if we know that value is layered, if we know that we need to build value, if we know we need to build personal brands to leverage this value, then there must be some type of infrastructure, right? There must be a way of doing that. So you remember that slide? So what if we take those three steps, inspiration, education, and delivery, and we turn it on the side like that, and we do this, we build actually a staircase. And this staircase makes us always know what the next step is, because it's extremely important that if somebody comes to you, or somebody downloads something, or somebody asks you something, you focus on the next step. That's absolute key. So a value letter basically is you build a piece of content, you put it on the website or whatever social you do it, and you basically always make sure that there are two or three pieces ready. Meaning that if somebody is in a certain phase of their buying stage, they will pick themselves where they go, right? So you don't decide it, your customer decides that. So they pick it, but you know automatically what the next step will be. Another tip actually is, so always, be ready for to know the next step. You can automate that fully. And the other thing is, you've got to give choice. If I tell you what to do, you will not do that. It's like kids, right? They don't want to eat vegetables. So what do you do? You scream at them. It doesn't work. You've got to do something else. You've got to give them choice. Do you want chicken with broccoli or chicken with carrots? That works for three weeks. But at least the concept works. So I will always, in everything I do, I will give you that choice. And with choice that's geared around the next action, you will see that you can move an entire business. Here's an example of Settlement. They have a blockchain platform and what they do, this is their last slide. Instead of doing last slide that says questions, Q&A, that's not, just don't do that. What they say is they lead with action. So they have two options. Option one is always something inspiration, educational. Option two is always when somebody is ready to buy, they will tell you, come over, show me your expertise, let me talk to you. So you always give those two options. Now, of course, when you have a value letter, you have all these steps. And this is one of the things I do, for instance, I will use the value letter itself as a meta tool and say, if you want to use it, have a look, scan the code, and you can try it. Because your material, the material you present, the material you write, the material you make will become 10 times more attractive, more sexy if you start adding this type of material. Now, the question then is, okay, Michael, I get it. I know what to produce. I know how to layer it. I know how to do sales with it with the next step. Then the question is, how do you turn it in your expertise in thought leadership? Well, you have to actually first understand thought leadership itself. Most people I meet, they're really good. They know their stuff. And I call them, they, they, they do it, right? They are actioning it. I call it action leadership. They do this, they know everything about it, but it's inside. They never talk about it. And then one day they have to go on a stage or they have to do something and they start talking to the outside world and they move from me to the next level where they actually become, they start feeling the power of this, of this, thought leadership, literally. They start feeling it, but they're not there yet. 
It is not consistent. They haven't pushed it through. And what happens then at a certain stage is they start adding way more consistency to it. They really start polarizing their ideas and they go to the next level. And when you start polarizing your ideas, you start learning how to express yourself better and to find your own style because that takes a while. You really see that you really see the, the, the whole machine around you starts changing. You get more leads. People will ask you. It's, it's very weird what happens then. And then the final stage with not a lot of people reach is when something happens, the news phones you to come to the news or to have an article in a newspaper. Then you have become the true thought leader. Now, thought leadership itself consists for me out of three major elements. Element number one is there is no other way, but you need to polarize. Polarize means you have to have a clear opinion. Did I have a clear opinion three years ago? I probably had, but I didn't know how to express it. So this grows on you. You learn how to do it, but you have to be able to say, I'm an expert. I know what I'm talking about. Forget what you're saying. It's going to be this. Polarizing works. The other thing that also works is, is when you actually start talking about a higher cause. Higher cause is something that people actually follow. If people won't follow you, they'll actually follow for what you stand for. People will follow for what you believe. And here is a very good example of Drift. Drift is a chatbot, a simple chatbot, right? And they reinvented the word chatbot. Typically what thought leaders do, they reinvent stuff. They, they claim the space. So they call it conversational marketing. It's fantastic, right? You don't want to do normal marketing. You want to do conversational marketing. But then they said, hang on. We actually do way more. What we do is we change the way businesses buy from business. That is a true, true higher cause. Of course, all of these elements, they all circle around you, which of course you have to learn to be more unique. And that actually makes a very nice blend. And over time, gradually, most people I meet don't have this, but over time they really learn by doing. And then of course you say by doing, Michael. So. How long will this take if I would start doing this tomorrow? Well, what I've seen is that when we start posting movies and content and uh, whatever we, we, we do, we, we've seen that you always have this attention phase. It takes a while before people start noticing you. And I'm saying it right, the right people start noticing you. Not your mother, not your friends, but your true audience. And once you get into the attention phase, what you've got to do is you've got to cross something called the, the trust gap. Because people will look at what you're doing and will think it's a gimmick, it's going to go away, it's a one-time campaign. No, the key here is consistency. And the moment you keep that up, you cross it in something magically. It happens without you realizing and suddenly you start getting questions, you start being asked to come to webinars and suddenly you're actually in the true trust phase. Now, once you're there, so you got the attention, you got the trust, only then I really want you to start scaling attention. And that is when suddenly the word distribution, where, how can we push it? How can we go faster? Should we put some paid ads? That's when it starts. Way too many companies, way too many people start with that, but they don't know what's going to work. And then of course, you're going to scale trust once you get there. So if you, if you go back to sales and marketing, then you realize that the first part for me, it's a more of an organic inbound. People find you, they see what they're doing, they start to react. So you learn what works in your industry and what doesn't work. And once you figure that out, then we're going to take that and then we're going to push it real hard towards outbound. And that is when the true sales game starts, of course. Now, how do we scale all of this, right? 
So there must be a way to put this into production. And in order to truly understand production, we got to go actually to a fundamental problem, and that is you're busy. Every single time, every single day, everybody tells me, I don't have time, I'm busy. And meetings get postponed, postponed everything. I'm the same, I'm always busy. But I have a very strong opinion. And I don't want to get banned on YouTube, so I'm going to show it in the screen. And we've got to fix being busy. And the way to fix being busy is by looking at the model. So most marketing models go like this. You have one bucket, the marketing team, and they do newsletter, blogs, Yes, I see you thinking. They do PR, design, brand. Oh, we need a new PowerPoint for somebody. And they do try to do everything in one hole. And then they need content and they don't know how to produce content and they go find it outside with agencies. Nothing wrong with that, but there is a better model. The better model goes like this. You split production and you split distribution because production, the knowledge, the expertise, what I just explained the last 20 minutes is in you. We just got to surface it. So it's in you, it's in within the company. You have the content. I'll explain later how to surface it. The second thing is you've got to distribute it. And distribution is a completely different game than, than what experts need to do. Distribution is SEO, SAR, very technical, growth hacking, growth marketing. It is very complex. I want you to start splitting that because there is no other way you can win because they're fundamentally two different profiles. To make life very easy, Here's another example. You can spend somewhere between seven and a half, 20K on making one hero movie that's gonna run for three months. Or for the same amount, you can make 12 movies every week, one in three months with three different formats. And then the question is, okay, Michael, what format should I choose? And everybody, when I ask them, I say, what do you think is the most expensive? Video. And when I say, what do you think is the, is the slowest? Video. Okay, I tell you, you're wrong. I think writing is the most expensive. Writing is the slowest. I think you should do something else. What's the cheapest and the fastest? That is this audio. You can now record on an app called Anchor FM. You can record your voice and within five minutes, it is spread across the nine biggest platforms, Spotify, iTunes, everywhere. So I started looking at this and I'm a bit lazy and I thought, how can we do this differently? So then I thought, hang on, hang on. Video has moving image, still image, it has audio and it has text if I translate the audio into, uh, into uh, text, right? So I started doing movies. So I started recording a lot of movies in one day. I'm gonna show you some examples of that. But first you have to think like this. If I make one movie and I, three weeks later, I take the same movie and I push it into a podcast, and then three weeks later, I push it again into an article and here are two tools, you have Anchor and Rev.com that actually help you do that. You can basically, if you literally make 15 movies in one day, you have 45 pieces of content and you can actually push it even further. You might say, yeah, but Michael, hang on. What? So let me give you an example of Rick Ferra. Rick Ferra comes in, one day he makes 12 movies in this case, and then he starts cutting the formats. He reshuffles the formats. So he has lots of material. And then you might think, yeah, but Michael, won't you overlap all these audiences? I, somebody sees the movie and then you get, no, that's the funny part. You have people that watch movies, you have people that read, you have people that, that want to listen in the car and there is small overlap, but it's very, it's actually just enlarges your audience. And you have, for one day, you have enough content for a bloody year. It's crazy. It's crazy that people don't do this more. It's a production. You got to start thinking in, batch production. Okay, Michael, let's, let's talk about formats. What should we do? 
right? So I wanted to show you some different type of formats. And uh, here are some, for instance, you have to the left, you have a very nice, really, really, really well-made show, uh, but that also really well-made means pretty complex. So it's not really easy to put that in a batch production environment. Then you have to the right, you see some of these hero movies, they're a bit more complex. And then below you have the expert movies, an example of Tilroy works really well. You can record a lot of them during a day. And then you have another example called like the school of sales in this case, but you can have these movies where in three minutes you explain the problem. And that's very intriguing. People really like that. When you very in a snackable format, three minutes, you explain a problem because people don't look for the solution. They don't know what the solution is. They look for the problem, right? So here are some other formats because it doesn't always need to be video. Here's an example of Qualifio, very smart surveys. Do you like this crisp or that crisp? And in, in the meantime, and they'll give you something for that. One of the, my all time favorites is the, is this one from the guys from Untailored, where basically they have a very smart system. You fill in a questionnaire and you get a completely customized booklet that basically tells you what are the next steps you can do. It's really, really, really well made. Then for me, still by far the winner is Drift. Uh, they have a section called books and the books you have to know are eight to 12 pages, right? It's, they did a lot of tests around the word book, mini guides, white paper, and they realized that when people see the word book, they attribute an enormous amount of value to that. They think, well, if it's in a book, it must be right, right? And when you get it, it's eight pages, but actually it's okay. It's okay. The other thing is I uh, met the guys from Board of Innovation and they actually, I, I would say they sell innovation, right? They sell the whole consultancy around innovation. And what they do really well is every single time they go to customer and the customer says, that's my problem, they make the model, how they come up with the solution, they put that in a canvas. You've just seen the, the, the canvas I've shown you, right? And they actually, their whole website is littered with these canvases. And if you start looking into it, it gives you a framework, it gives you a blueprint, but deep down there is no content, right? So you can fill it in, you can play around with it. But if you really want to talk to the experts, you phone them. And the reaction of that is organically, they got thousands of emails per month just based on Canvas. So here is a perfect example for an agency if you want to get more attraction, how to do it. And then I wanted to give you two more special ones is webinars. I used to hate webinars, literally hate it. And then because it's always the same, yeah? they, they go like it's come to a webinar. This is the speaker one, speaker two, company one, company two, you're 10 minutes down the drain and then they keep on going with their slides and it's just, it's horrible. But then I started seeing different type of webinars and I thought, well, that's interesting. So first, what I learned is that if you do a webinar, always have a face on it. And if you can have an expert on it, somebody else, two faces. And here you see a nice example with, with Drift, very simplistically where they have actually two logos. It's very attractive and that works way better. By the way, you don't need to do a webinar for 50 minutes. You can do it in 15 to 20 minutes. Why don't you do your interview with an expert in the webinar without slides? You just have different formats. And then the other thing is people start making these data sheets or they start making guides or white papers and always think about this, always the last page. It always says, if you want to have more information, talk to info at or sales at, and then the whole paper talks about personalization. I don't get that. I just don't get that. So one day, a few years ago, I bumped into a white paper of the guys from Intuo, and this is how they end. Is your company like this? Talk to a person that actually exists. And when you look be below, they say, Simon at 
into so it's a real person it's a real it's it's a small detail but so many people when they have a question they will actually do this also very smart for me just above his name just above his name they actually say what they do the higher costs right so what format do you need to choose well it depends on what you want to make i just want you to either start with audio or video audio for me a webinar is also audio right so audio or video you can scale them like crazy now here's an example of some of the formats how long it takes how, how expensive it is i in the book there are way way more formats all explaining all these details how they go now thank you that's why you have a team to help you now um yasmin from a company called efluence there really growing fast there all into influencer marketing and one of the questions that kept coming back said yeah michael can't we shortcut it by using an influencer because for instance what did nespresso do they used they literally used uh, george clooney as a shortcut to trust because george clooney is the most trusted man on earth right so she explains in the book how to do all of that how to work together but one of the things i wanted to quick, quickly address is how long will this take and what will work? Because the moment you start posting and you start going to the outside world, the first five to six weeks, you basically have your mother, all your friends that are liking it, but they will get tired of you. But your true audience is watching, but they're not doing anything. Huh? We just did a, a large project with a company specialized in procurement. And what we saw there is that even if we would have the best post in the world, people would not react to the post. But if we put the link in there, we had dozens of people clicking on it. It means for me that people want to stay anonymous in that industry. They don't want anybody else to know what they're doing, right? So you got to play the anonymous card. And here what you see is that you will get a massive dip. And then the trick is to be consistent and push on because all the numbers before are vanity. They're nice, but it's not the right ones. Your true audience will come after what I've seen seven to eight weeks. You got to stick to that, right? Now, we talked about batch production, but if we realize that it actually goes much further, further, we have to do one step further. And I wanted to show you one step further how you could get there. So remember the Rick Vera where he would do one day of recording and we would split it in fast. Now, if we think about that, it will generate a lot of traction, but we're not doing sales yet. So what are we gonna do is based on all of this, we're actually moving into the next level, which is we're going to make derivatives, which you can which you can download. So a book, a mini guide, a series. Why don't you record five videos that you then you release every week, and then you combine it into one set of five, for instance. And this way, you can actually move your inbound engine. You can push it to outbound, and you can start moving around. And of course, the technique is to layer it across the value ladder. So. What about sales, Michael? Well, I talked a bit about sales, mainly marketing, personal brand. For me, thought leadership fits within the bucket of the new sales techniques. It's very subtle. It's way, way more subtle than before, but it's, it's actually very simple. So the, the technique actually is to move away from sales to being relevant. And I give you an example how we have implemented this with settlement. So settlement, they, they make a list on, on LinkedIn, they start reaching out and what they do from a value ladder perspective, they have one asset. The one asset is, here's a book for an industry. And it's literally as a title on the book. 
the industry. And then what you do is the second step is always something live. So people can come and watch and see you in action. And that is actually how you go on and how you market. In the book, I explain this. I call it the thought leadership sprint, how to set it up, how to move way faster and how to actually literally go to funneling. Now, the big question then is I used to have a boss that would do this to me. I would do this whole plan and I would find it exciting. I was showing numbers and then, then I would sit down and he said, Michael, are you finished? I said, yeah. And he said, so what? So what? Right. And I always come up with an idea. So the question is always, so, so what? Right. Now, one thing that I've seen is that gravity will always win. It is extremely hard not to be you. So be you. And I think you should buy a book that explains how to be you. Right. Now I wanted to, just to wrap up, I wanted to thank a few people. So first of all, the team that just helped me are the Sparkins. These are the guys from the House of Spark. They've helped me tremendously. And of course, as I said in the beginning, I have to thank my girlfriend, my wife, actually, because she's the one that would kick me if I would go slow. And she's the one that said, shut up and just do it. Right. Big thank you. I love you. Yes, I will make sure I compensate this with many, many, many good di dinners. Several people wrote in the book. I'm really happy. It's way too much to say. I asked a lot of uh, examples. I had a lot of people asking, can I use your case? Most of them said yes. And uh, thank you to the publisher for helping because, of course, I clearly, completely underestimate writing a book. I thought, well, can't be that difficult, right? Just start and we'll see what we get. Well, <laughs> it is a process, I can tell you. And of course, I want to thank especially Jill. Jill is the one who actually, when I made all the content she made it sound like proper serious english and she did her really good job now we really decided not to do q a because i think first you should read the book right because a lot of the answers are in the book and secondly i think it's hard not to find me so you can always you have my even my phone number is in in the email so you can just reach out to me on linkedin on email wherever you are and basically I want to thank you for joining. I have one more video that I wanted to show you and then we wrap it up. The book is available in the stores. The book is available on the website. Nobody knows you. And I love to know what you think of it. So let me know. Thank you. How do I pronounce it? Um, Humblet. Humblet. Michael Humblet. Om die het dat beste gaan wat zo doen dan. Humblet. A la française. Humblety. We laten Michael het Humblet. Jongen, jongen, jongen. Ja. Humblech. Humblech? Ja. Humble T stands for humble trust. You need to build trust. Humblet. I don't know. <laughs> It sounds tricky, but can't tell why.